Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm good uh, because, uh, once again, listeners, um, uh, we're going to record a podcast episode about one of my favorite uh, government institutions, the United States Supreme Court. The SCOTUS. (laughs) Because because even when they don't really try, they end up in the news. (laughs) You know what? But this is not an in the news episode. It is is an episode we are going to release sort of weirdly in the middle of other things, because that's how we do stuff sometimes, Um, because it is timely. Yes. But it is timely in the sense that they've just had the discussions. It is not timely in the sense that we will ever know what their opinion is because they're never going to release any ever again. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pause that. Uh, the week that we are recording, the Supreme <laughs> Court shocked pretty much like everybody who follows the court when just in the middle of the week, they went ahead and announced three more decided cases. Oh, really? Yes, they just Because we had been... Yes, they. Yes. We they had had people shaking their fingers at them because they had been waiting so long. Yes, and then they, and then they just went ahead and dropped three on us, and then like, all right, boom, 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 okay, bye. Yes, right, okay. They must have been listening to the podcast. Yeah, of course. Okay. And that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna take. I think you and I should take credit for that. But this week, uh, or rather, in February of 2023, yes. our lovely justices, our nine. <laughs> not technology great justices yes. <laughs> are hearing some pretty nuanced a couple of pretty nuanced cases about social media about yes. social media yes and uh-huh. can you walk us through the cases yes um so the first case is entitled gonzalez versus google all right um and for those of you who don't know uh youtube is actually owned by google All right. And that becomes important in just a few moments. So what was that issue in Gonzalez versus Google is whether Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act of 1996 effectively provides legal immunity, meaning somebody cannot be sued in court. Okay, if computer services make targeted recommendations of information so that uh, provided by another information content provider, right? So what, how that translates is the recommended button in YouTube or the algorithm in YouTube that when you watch a video, the next video that it shows you, there's an algorithm that goes into what it thinks you're going to want to watch because it is extremely important to YouTube that your eyeballs stay on their website. That's that's how they make money. They make money by you watching the ads and then selling the ad, them selling the ad content underlie those videos. So they need you to stay on the site. So they will encourage you to watch the next video by giving you something that they think you want to watch. Yeah. And the longer you stay on, the The more money they make. Yeah, the greater the number of viewers that they then can go ahead and say to advertisers, hey, 
we had, you know, 20 million Americans at this time of day, okay, and they were watching this. Don't you want to place ads, okay, in between the videos? Exactly. And that's where you get the idea of influencers. Yes. People whose people whose shows get watched or people whose YouTube videos get watched in the millions. PewDiePie yes. and Philly D and a variety of people. Um, so, and, and there's pretty serious competition to get to that level, right? Yeah. You're trying to get to those, to those level of people, uh, it, it, which it, is fine, except that this case talks about that recommendation and how that recommendation can lead people down a path that takes them to doing really bad stuff. And that's what this case is about. Right. Because what happens is the algorithm says, here, Augie, you watched this film noir video. Maybe you would like this video about film noir. Yes. So then you watch that. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe you would like this video about villains. Okay. Well, maybe you would like this video about, right. And it takes you down a path. It's not like Augie watches the Maltese Falcon and the next thing that comes up is an ISIS video. No. That's not <laughs> no, that's no, not no, how no. that works. There's a much more subtle yes um, uh, way that the algorithm works. Yeah, the algorithm is. A and if Augie didn't watch the next video, if he was like, I don't care how film noir is made, then it and, wouldn't or, offer that again. Or I don't care about the real life. OK, cases that right. led to true crime. Right. Yes, I, right? Okay. And he would not get those right. Once the, he skips those recommendations two or three times, then the algorithm is like, oh, this guy doesn't actually like true crime. He likes crime in film. Film. That's right. And it would yeah. go back to to giving him different offerings. Yes. So that's basically for the justices, in case they were wondering, that is basically how YouTube works. Yes. So what this case is about is that uh, the family of uh, 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 Nohemi uh, Gonzalez, she, is, uh, she was a 23-year-old woman from California, was shot dead during a 2015 rampage by Islamist militants in Paris, all right? They and killed 130 people. 130 people, yes. Right, okay. so truly bad guys. Yes. Um, in 2016, uh, her mother and stepfather and other relatives um, uh, accused YouTube of providing, quote, material support to the Islamic State because of the recommendations uh, of the group's videos, the Islamic State's videos, to certain users based on, as Nia just explained, the algorithmic predictions about their interests, okay? So the Gonzalez family was basically saying the recommendations help spread Islamic State's message and recruit, okay, jihadist fighters. Google, which owns- which is, which is true, but Google's argument, right, is that it's, is that we don't control the behaviors of individuals who watch these videos. Yes. Okay. Now, the Gonzalez family um, sued under uh, a law called the U.S. Anti-Terrorism Act, which lets Americans record damages related to, quote, 
an act of international terrorism. Unfortunately for the Gonzalez family, in 2021, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals dismissed the case. The reason why the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals dismissed the case was its interpretation of Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, which most federal courts in this country have long interpreted as providing pretty much universal legal immunity for the companies, because the logic is these companies are merely the platforms. They are merely publishers, okay? And they can't be held responsible for the content, okay? That other people, other groups put on the platform. Oh, can I can I argue with you just for a second? Well, hold on before you get to the argument, okay? No, I wanted to argue with something you just said. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> they are they're not publishers, right? They're they're providers of no, no, the... no, 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 no. The argument is this, okay? It's much like a newspaper gets published. The newspaper can't be held liable, okay, for content provided by opinion editorial writers. They are just merely publishing, okay? Okay. You can't go ahead and sue the publisher. You can only go ahead and sue the writer, okay? Okay. If, the, if, if what they wrote, okay, causes you to then engage in criminal behavior, right? So if you got tax advice from an opinion column in the New York Times. Or the Washington Post. So for instance, one of, the, one of my favorite columns that I read in the Post is from uh, Michelle Singleton, right? It's like a money matters a, uh, a column, right? I can't sue the Washington Post if I follow uh, Singleton's advice and then it leads the IRS to go ahead and say that I was trying to avoid paying my taxes, right? Although wisely, she puts disclaimers on the bottom of her she column does. that says, okay. this is not, you should seek specific financial advice for okay. your situation. So you know the column that I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right. Okay, because you've read it too. So, but they are in the language of the First Amendment, okay, merely publishers, okay? Okay. They're, they're not telling you to watch this. They're not telling you how to respond to this. They're just merely providing the what? The, the video to start with. Okay. Okay. No, but oh they, no, the platform. Well, yeah, the video they, that somebody they, else made the video. Yeah, they, they didn't. They're providing yeah. the conduit through which. Yes, that's all they are, right? Okay. And the reason why, by the way, listeners, if you want to want to know why Congress passed this law, was that in the early '90s, okay, there were internet sites that were getting sued. Okay, because of content that other people provided on their sites that led to stalking and criminal violence, etc. And many internet companies made what argument, Nia, rather persuas persuasively to Congress? If you don't give us legal immunity, you're basically going to stop this new technology in its tracks. Because none of us are going to want to go ahead 
and provide these social media platforms if we're going to spend all of our time in court defending ourselves about content we didn't write, we didn't create, we didn't film. We're just providing the platform. We are as innocent as newly fallen snowflakes. Except the argument to that is <laughs> you actively make money from your algorithmic okay. um, um, yes. provisions. Like they make money when you click on the next video. So it is in their financial interests to sure. entice yes. slash encourage you to look at the next video. That's yes. the counter argument of that, right? That's what the actual lawsuit is. Isn't that what the basis of the lawsuit is? Is that the Google is saying free speech and <clears throat> no, but the Gonzalez family isn't even focusing on the money. The Gonzalez family is focusing on the first thing that you explained in this episode. You're not merely providing the platform. You are actually directing, okay, people to content. So right. your hands aren't clean, okay? You're actually engaged in, okay? Oh, I you, see. The algorithm itself is itself. the problem. The, the algorithm the, itself is the problem because you're making recommendations that are leading people who are already, shall we say, predisposed, okay, to want to engage in this kind of terrorist behavior okay so your hands aren't clean so and google doesn't want to change the algorithm because people will use it less because they're getting less their recommendations are not being tailored to them so that, that's right yes because because people now are like don't show me videos i don't care about only show me stuff i want to look at because yes. that's how people are and because there are about a kazillion videos on youtube oh my I, don't, yeah. I don't know what the real number is but it's it, it, it's uncountable probably at this point so google's like we have to use an algorithm and they're like yes but your algorithm is making people criminal like it's yes because it's, it's encouraging criminal behavior yeah your hands are not clean okay you're part which of is true anyway right okay like, but you know in in the language of criminal law you're involved in the conspiracy ah okay, okay because these individuals wouldn't have found these videos if not for without your, own your help okay. i see okay now in part google and a whole bunch of amicus curiae briefs submitted by other technology companies basically make this argument. Not only would it go ahead and hurt the profitability of these internet companies, it could also threaten other, shall we say, um, services that you find on the internet, like search engines, okay, job listings, product reviews, and displays of news, song, and other kinds of entertainment that are not even remotely controversial. Because again, think about this. Let's just say, for instance, you um, uh, uh, provide a product review, okay, on a, a site like, uh, give, me, give me a product review site. What is it, Yelp? Amazon. Okay. Oh, Yelp. Okay. Okay. Um, and in the process, because you your product review is so well written, okay, and catches so much attention, okay, 
then now all of a sudden a whole a whole bunch of people are no longer using that particular business. Okay. So that discourages business businesses for advertising, okay, their services on the internet. Well, it also um from a tiny little podcast point of view. Yes. Right. If you want people to find your podcast, yes, you want it to be searchable in the yes. podcast providers, right? Apple yes. and Transistor and all those people, right? You want people to be able to search Google Play, find your podcast by finding what what happens is you get that recommendation at the bottom that says, "Do you like this podcast?" You might also like, yes, and yes. it would kill that, which means it would kill small entrepreneurs with tiny little podcasts who want to get yes you know who want to get notes so it does i can see on google uh, Ooh, this is tough right because it's both sides well i mean in the in oh, of, this in, is going to be tough for the justices well it is going to be uh, tough and moreover okay um and i think the justices are very much aware of this um you have individuals you have politicians Okay, from across the ideological spectrum, okay, um, who have suggested that we that Congress should revise Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. I mean, think about this, Nia. Our last two presidents have publicly stated that Section 230 of this law, okay, should be revised. In and I mean, we can't get Joe Biden and Donald Trump to agree that air is breathable. <laughs> okay. And yet. Or think about this. Interest groups representing civil rights, gun control, okay, um, women's rights groups have all told the justices that the platforms, okay, amplify extremism and hate speech. Well, and. Gamergate, anybody who, well, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, a whole separate issue. But. Okay. Um, 26 states submitted an amicus curiae brief that said social media forums do not just publish user content anymore, they actively exploit it. Right. Okay. I mean, you're talking about a wide array of groups who normally, Okay. Wouldn't agree on anything. anything. They wouldn't sit down at the table if there is a free buffet of food, <laughs> right? They would be like, okay. Nope, there's a catch and I'm not doing it. Yep. Okay. I'm waiting until this group gets out of line before I'll actually, you know, sidle up to the buffet, right? Uh, it, it, one, uh, one law professor of Michigan State, um, uh, Adam Candio. Uh, 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 um, said it perfectly. Section 230 is basically internet companies get out of jail card free, right? Because they have legal immunity, okay? Right. Um, so it's... But if you don't hold them legally responsible, at what point will they change the algorithm so that it doesn't encourage... Yes, Right? dangerous behavior like if you don't hold them if if i don't give you financial incentive to change your behavior as a company you will not change your change behavior. It, right so that's how companies work and at the time we recorded this podcast the supreme court already heard oral arguments in this case and nia 
I, it, it, by the way, the oral arguments just in the Gonzalez case were nearly three hours in length. Now, listeners, for those of you uh, who've not listened to our previous summer of, of SCOTUS podcast, you may not know this, but typically oral arguments in any case in front of the Supreme Court is limited to an hour. The justices and the attorneys, okay, went back and forth for nearly three hours just on this one case. Right. Well, it's complicated. It is complicated. This is a complicated question, because part of what you believe in, if you believe in American capitalism, is this idea of companies sort of being able to grow and expand and and do all kinds of things like that. And and you want reasonable regulation, but you also want them to be able to do those things, because that's how think about how many people Google employs. Right. Think about how much, right. Like all of that stuff, all of those things play into that question on the one side, but on the other side, you also have this, at which point is a big tech evil tech and you have to rein it in and, and regulate it in some way so that you say to people, it's unacceptable for your company to engage in this practice that can lead to this potential harm. Right. right. I mean, think about every time the American economy shifts from one dominant industry to another, farming into industrialization, industrialization to service or postmodern. Okay. And now we're into technology. I mean, think about how big of a share the technology has of the American GDP every year. I mean, some estimates is that it's well over 60, 65%. Yeah. Right? And mind you, this has all occurred. And I know some of our younger listeners are just like- My whole lifetime. No. Well, your whole lifetime, but not ours. Yeah. But (laughs) I mean, there are easily two or three uh, generations of Americans who are just like, technology? Okay. What technology, right? I still use a rotary phone, right? (laughs) Okay. Computers. Okay. Ah, Yeah. Okay. That's the work of the devil right there. (laughs) And and it was pretty clear reading the transcripts, okay, of the oral arguments, the justices are really, really weary. You're not weary, wary. Okay. They're cautious. They're circumspect that it should be the court that gets involved in that this is something that the Congress, the legislative branch should do, um, notwithstanding the fact that many of the justices were openly sympathetic to the Gonzalez family. family. Of course, because they lost their daughter. And that's not it, but that's not what's in question here. What's in question here is not, did bad guys hurt your daughter? Yes, they did. Did. They murdered your daughter, and those people should be held account for an entirely different crime, the crime of murder, right? That's not in question here, but the question here is much more complicated when you get into this idea of if you rely on technology and you want it to work, there are certain ways that it works that then the, the negative side of that can be but it leads people into this darker place. And one of the things, sorry, I, I know it's not directly connected, but hear me out on this. One of the things that they always um, 
<clears throat> that the Virginia lottery has on the bottom of every ticket is please gamble responsibly. Yes. And then it has a phone number. Yes. If you are not a person who, or if you're a person who struggles with gambling responsibly, I would argue that by the time you've bought the ticket, the deed is already done, but, but they're supposed, they're trying to regulate the path down which you could find yourself gambling away your rent money or whatever, yes. right? Like yes. that's a, that's a yeah. thing. And that's a hard thing to come up with. How do you regulate that some people can get pleasure from this and do fine and not be homicidal maniacs because they don't turn into those folks. They don't go down that path. And then other people do. I mean, part of that is your pre, what you were saying, your predisposition. So, yeah, it's a complicated. I feel a little bit sorry for the justices because that's a tough. Yeah, that's a tough question. Now, the following day was the second case. Okay, in the second case is uh, uh, Twitter versus uh, Teamne uh, or Teamna. All right. And what happened here was um, an ISIS linked attack attacker killed uh, Naros uh, Alasaf and 30 other people in, in an Istanbul nightclub in 2017. Okay. And uh, Alasaf's family sued Twitter. Facebook and Google, alleging that the companies contributed to the growth of ISIS and that they could have taken more aggressive enforcement action to combat pro-ISIS content on their social media platforms. Now, this case is less about Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. Instead, okay, Alasov's family brought the lawsuit, okay, under the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act, okay, JASTA, all right? Uh, and this is a law um, which was amended in 2016, and it allows civil suits against entities that aid and abet terrorism. So Alasov's family is basically saying Twitter at all aided and abetted terrorism, <laughs> okay? Now, again. Which I mean, technically, but wow, there again is nuance. So what we're trying to get across, I think, with both of these cases is it's, it's not as easy as you know, Twitter should have stepped on ISIS's neck when they were making pro-ISIS yeah, pro tweets, you know, join us and help you know, save yeah, the yeah, world you know, or whatever you know, pro, it was. You know, prohibit the use of their platform, okay, for these tweets. But Congress passed JASTA, okay, to allow families of the victims of 9-11 to sue Saudi Arabia. And when Congress passed the law, okay, they actually overrode President Obama's veto of the law. Yeah, he vetoed, what, two things in his entire, uh, or maybe four, uh, he didn't have very many vetoes, but this was one of them. Yeah. And this was him was, saying, no, no, this is yeah, a terrible idea. Yeah. And this was the only time that Congress successfully overrode one of his vetoes. Right? Why did he say it was a bad idea? He said, and this is a direct quote, 
Enactment of JASTA could encourage foreign governments to act reciprocally and allow their domestic courts to exercise jurisdiction over the United States or US officials, including our men and women in uniform for allegedly causing injuries overseas via United States support to third parties. Right. Okay. Um, and if you're living in big glass house, yes, you should probably be really careful about picking up a rock. Yes. Like, yes, we, yes. After nine 11, people wanted to punish Saudi Arabia yes, because they perceived that what was 19, 18 of the 19 attackers were Saudi citizens. Yes. But when you do that, you have to be careful because Americans do bad stuff overseas all the time. Yes. And do you really want their, do you really want nations to be able to sue the United, citizens in the other countries to be able to sue the United States over the actions of their citizens? Like, just be careful about that. That's a big, a, yeah. a, a big uh, can of worms that you, I'm, you know, the president was like, mm, this is not a good idea. And Congress overrode him anyway. Yes. Now, in this case, Twitter lost when the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals expanded the scope of the law's liability. Okay. So, you know, this is a case where Twitter lost. Okay. So Twitter's bringing the, you know, the, the appeal to the Supremes. All right. Um, and there are a whole bunch of former State Department lawyers, former federal judges, okay, who are like, hey, if we, you know, they, they, they submitted, uh, again, another friend of the court brief to the United States Supreme Court, and they basically went ahead and said, Supreme Court, you need to overturn what the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, because if you don't, okay, there are a number of countries in the world that already have in place laws in their own country that say if the United States or any other country allows their citizens or groups from their nations to be sued in their courts, Americans, including American government officials, can be sued in their courts. Nations like, for instance, Great Britain and Pakistan. Now, you know, those nations are, quote unquote, our allies right now. But how long are they going to be our allies? Okay, If, you know, we're suing their citizens or their government officials in our courts and forcing them to pay damages. okay, they're not going to be our allies very much longer. Right. You know, because that's how foreign relations work. Right. If you're willing to give us a pass, we're willing to give you a pass. But if you're not willing to give us a pass, we're going after you guys. All right? Yeah, it's not a door you want to open. Yes. Okay. Um, and and again, the you could tell during the oral arguments, and me, I read the oral arguments. I mean, the justices were just like, okay, first of all, what does aid in a bet truly mean? Right? Okay, um, because again, that's a common phrase in criminal statutes. But this is not a criminal statute. 
This is a civil lawsuit that allows US citizens to sue other countries, people from other countries in federal court for civil damages. So is what Twitter, Facebook, Google, when they have their algorithms that make recommendations, are they truly aiding and abetting? Or are they just money-seeking you know, corporations <laughs> that are trying to get a whole bunch of people to their social media platforms? Right. And now you're talking about intent, right? Exactly. Yes. And JASTA needs to go. Okay, you really don't like that law. I really don't like JASTA, and here's why. <laughs> I don't want America to be sued by randos in other countries who have been harmed by American policies or American stuff or Amer and I don't and I don't think that holding the whole government responsible. I mean, they want to sue Saudi Arabia. They should sue the families of the 19 people who committed the atrocities. We know who those 19 people are, right? Like, they're, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of being able, because that is such a dangerous way to, to engage in international relations. I don't know. That just seems like a mistake to me. Okay, but then let's throw in an intervening variable. What about all those anti-terrorism scholars and groups that say, if you don't hold terrorist groups and those that support them accountable, then you'll never change the behavior? Oh, I know. That's the argument about Iran and Hezbollah, right? Yeah. Is that is that you should sue Iran for Hezbollah's atrocities because then it will make Iran stop supporting them. I understand that intellectually. I just think, and again, it comes back to nuance, right? It's very yes. complicated. Oh, it is extremely complicated. All of this is very complicated and pulling apart, when you pull on one thread, you lose the arm of your sweater on the sweater, other side. Yes. Like it's all jerked up because. Yeah. And your favorite coat all of a sudden no longer fits you. Exactly. Okay. okay et cetera. But I mean, I mean, because, you know, I was reading some of the amicus curiae briefs and the one from the um, Anti-Defamation League, okay, was 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 very explicit, just came out and said, you know, social media is a quote unquote dangerous tool for terrorists if the platforms are not regulate, regulated by the federal government. Okay, can I say something here that is not going to be popular, but okay. it, it is, I believe it to be true. I think that we need to, okay, these atrocities are terrible. We're talking about 160 lives lost, 168 lives lost in these, yeah. two, in these two atrocities. Yes. But I put to you that a significantly bigger fish to fry with Twitter is stopping, stopping teenage girls from bullying each other into anorexia, suicide, all the other things. And that's happening on a much larger scale. Then the ISIS attacks, right? It's easy to it's easy to get angry at ISIS and it's easy to get angry at terrorism, but domestic terrorism, which is what bullying is, right? It's a form of that, is a significantly larger problem for a lo much larger group of people, and we're not addressing that. 
there's a part of me that's like if you want to get mad at twitter let me give you reasons to get mad at twitter this this may be a reason but there are bigger reasons to be mad i mean in 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 what you're pointing pointing out neo is the internet effectively is at roughly 30 30 plus years right 30 32 33 years right so now we have enough time to see the various policy issues that have arisen with this new technology and economy. And now we now we have to come to grips with how do we respond to those negative externalities. Right, because right, it started out as the wild west of the internet, right, where yes. anybody yeah. posted anything, anywhere, there was all kinds of stuff. And now we're starting to go, you know, that's kind of not good for people's mental mental physical and social health like it's yes right and but how do you walk that line between that and augie's favorite thing in the world which is free speech right augie wants to be able to drop the f-bomb in his classes (laughs) when it is necessary to make a point right and saying to him you can't do that stifles his creative yeah endeavor yeah, my ability to go ahead and reach occasionally young minds who have tuned me out five minutes earlier. Right. right. And then they go, whoa, did he just say, yes. okay, all right, I'm back yeah. to paying attention. Okay. Yeah, I need to pay attention. And, you know, in the Google case is, is, again, different than the Twitter case. Both of them deal with social media. But the Google case really does highlight free speech versus protecting the collective. Right? Right. Um, because and I know you can't remove the fact that these internet companies have made a ton of money, okay? But I find it rather remarkable when you get both liberals and conservatives, for different reasons, who now all of a sudden <laughs> are like, you know, we this must- This is a terrible idea. <laughs> this is a terrible idea, right? Okay. We got to um, fix this internet thing. Yeah, we got to <laughs> The olds have finally decided, hey, we got to fix this internet thing. <laughs> right. Okay. But even with the Twitter case, okay, the Twitter case actually highlights, okay, uh, a tension between two different public policies. You want to give victims an op- the victims of terrorism an opportunity to hold terrorists accountable. On the other hand, do you want really want to hamstring U.S. foreign policy initiatives, because we're afraid that if we send our men and women overseas, okay, to help an ally or to defuse a situation, that they may be held accountable in another nation's courts. Right. And in, and endangered, okay. potentially. So, I mean, it's... Also, aiding and abetting. I'm with the justices. That along with arbitrary and capricious are phrases that are very hard to define how by by aiding and abetting implies that twitter supports isis and i think twitter's argument here is no 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 we don't support anything that doesn't make us money (laughs) yeah right right like what they should say is we're purely capitalist we will support you if you make us money it doesn't matter what part of the political spectrum you are on one of the things that is that is um often 
sort of brought out about the internet is that it suppresses conservative voices. Yes. That's yeah. a common refrain and a common argument that you hear. And one of part of me wants to say, yeah, because there's no money in conservative voices. Yeah, because many the money is in people who are on fire. Yes. Right. Moderates don't make it anywhere because moderates don't make any money. No. They're they're a if you're like us and you're just sort of middle of the road and you could go either way yeah, on the topic, the, yeah, nobody the, is gonna sell us. That's yeah. not a yeah, we're not the target audience, okay, of much of the internet. Exactly. <laughs> in much of the internet, the target audience is angry people, either on one side or the, or other. the other. Yes. And they're the ones who are bringing the money into the internet. The moderates who are standing in the middle going, well, it could really go either way. Nobody cares about them. They're like, oh, well, you, you go now. You're not even remotely interesting to us because you're not making money. But if, but if that's why, and um, just to put this out there, that's why thumbnails have ridiculous titles in them. YouTube yeah. videos yeah. have ridiculous titles because it inflames people's emotions and they are more likely to watch. Yes. Yep. Yep. If if every video on YouTube was titled moderate discussion of X topic, nobody would ever look at anything on YouTube. And then the next question is, Nia. Oh, and nobody would ever read yeah. Twitter. If Twitter was all moderate sort of people going, well, it's a nuanced argument. And 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 and, and, and get this. Let's just say, for instance, a critical mass in Congress, okay, um, does arise to address Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, and a critical mass arises to perhaps tighten up the language of JASTA, right? Then it begs the question, okay, does, should we be concerned about what we wish for? Right? Yes. That's okay. the, that's the other part of that is, I mean, okay, we, well, we're going to regulate it out of existence, or we're going to regulate it in such a way that nobody gets to say anything on the internet. Yes. That so, hurts anybody's feelings. So nobody says anything. Yes. Or, you know, before you can go, before you gain access to social media platforms, okay. You have to have a battery of psychological tests. Yes, right. Or you have to go ahead and demonstrate that, you know, as far as local law enforcement is concerned, you're not going to engage in X behavior after watching these videos, right? Right. Or I mean, the reason that they use an algorithm is because they don't have enough people yes. to okay videos. Can you imagine how much the internet would slow down if every single thing that went onto the internet had to be vetted? And who's doing the vetting? Nothing, nothing would ever get published. Yes, I mean, because like, you know, the, the question about who who does the vetting, right? And then who, right? Who I mean, watches because, the watchers? Exactly. Yeah, because, you know, because that's the conservative critique, for instance, of, of 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 Twitter, okay, and other social media platforms. They are populated with a whole bunch of well-paid, okay, very educated liberals, okay, who, who hate us and hate don't us. want our ideas to get out there. Oh, that's right. Okay. Right. That's a common refrain on the on and the then, conservative side. And then I've also read a number of law review articles that have begun to question the extent to which the federal government, particularly in the last two presidential administrations, have tried to influence okay, the uh the the regimes of social media platforms in regards to their content, right? Well, and now you've got um, Elon Musk, 
who is rising his own tweets yes. to the top of the because he can because he owns the company okay. like okay <laughs> okay but i mean you know now you're getting the release of hundreds of pages of twitter documents demonstrating that at least the Biden administration if not before the trump administration tried to influence what Twitter would allow in regards to comments about the federal government's COVID-19 response. Yep. Okay. So back to your, you know, very recent comment, who's watching the watchers, right? You know, because I- And I, if we could trust that, uh, that upswelling in Congress to actually translate to oversight. Right. Yeah. It would be it would be fine, fine. but yeah. that's not what they're going to do. What they're really? going to do is change the law and then proceed to not do oversight because yeah. that's that's been their modus operandi here for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, he said with some irritation. Well, quite a bit of irritation. I mean, I, I, I in this case, I am irritated, right? <laughs> but I mean, think about this, Nia. I mean, and and and, and I know we're going to wrap this up pretty quickly. But I mean, the Biden administration at one point, okay, in the Department of Homeland Security was uh, uh, contemplated creating a disinformation board as part of Homeland Security. Remember, we talked about yep. this off recording. Okay, and I was just like, you really? Well, and be careful naming something the disinformation board because <laughs> that implies that you're going to put out disinformation. Right. Instead of reviewing what you believe is disinformation on social media, right? Well, and wait, if you're trying to quell yeah. people telling falsehoods, then you have to quell people ever talking to each other. Sure. Because as long as there has been <laughs> two people, two people, <laughs> one of them has told a falsehood, does this does this dress make me look fat? No, honey, it doesn't. <laughs> right? Like that's. You know, I mean that that goes you know, back to style, that goes back to Neanderthal. Adam Eve, yeah, Adam and Eve, the story in the Bible. Exactly. Hey, Does this leaf make me look fat? No, no, no. Take a bite of this apple. You're gonna love it, <laughs> right? Like exactly. I mean, it, it's it. That's part of it, but also, and I think something that we we have to keep in mind is is that this tension is always going to be there between how do we regulate and uh, and have oversight while still allowing people to have the freedom yes. to voice themselves and to be heard right and and you don't kill an idea like isis by putting it in the dark you kill an idea like i of like isis by showing that it doesn't work, that it doesn't win hearts and minds, that it doesn't yeah. do what it says it's going to do, right? That's or, or or the cost of ISIS is too high. Yeah, is unacceptable, right? right? Um, and you don't do that by by putting it in the, in the dark. I, I would argue, right? Right. I mean, but I, J. I, Rob's court has it right. It's not up to the courts. Yes, because this this should be the legislative. This should be the people's branch. Yes. speaking for the people and saying we are going to have better regulation of these things that we now perceive as the common good. We perceive the internet as the common good. There are people who in the United States now believe they have a right to the internet. Yes, they do. Yes. And they yes. cannot be, you know, persuaded that they do not. 
that the internet is a service that you must purchase. Oh no, it is now the way life works. People will say, oh, you have to apply for a job online. You have to, you know, you connect with people online. You do all these things online. If it is a common good, then it is up to the legislative branch to oversee it and make sure that it's fairly distributed and fairly used. Yeah, because what you got is a collective on the other side is, you know, the protecting the collective. So if we're actually concerned, right. concerned about, for instance, the mental health of our young people, right? Which we should be, and we're going to talk about that in a future episode. Okay, then the people's elected representatives need to step in. Right. Okay. Um. Well, it's been interesting, Augie. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a complicated, again, I mean, I, I know listeners are probably tired of me and I saying this, this is complicated. This is <laughs> but I mean, it, just reading the oral argument transcripts really highlighted, okay, how difficult these cases truly are. Okay. And, and how the justices are also trying to say, we're not tech giants, we're justices, and we're going to, we're going to limit our scope here. Yes. So thanks, Augie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nia. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.